verses 1 through 15. This passage begins with a pronoun him and he through these verses and is speaking of Abraham just for the context. Genesis chapter 18 verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. and turn to the book of Genesis once again, chapter 18. And I would like to ask you to stand with me as we begin the message today. And we'll read a verse and pray together. I'd like to ask you to stand as we do that. And I've been praying for this service this week very much that God would speak to our hearts. The message is, expect a miracle. And I believe each of us need God to do something in our lives that we cannot do. That's the miracle. What are you asking God to do that you can't accomplish just through human strength? We need a miracle. Genesis chapter 18, please, if you could read aloud with me, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. One more verse. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Expect a miracle, and don't laugh. 
So again, that's my question to you today. Do you need a miracle? Impossibilities are possible for every child of God. These stories in the Bible are written for us. With God, what is impossible? Nothing. So, maybe you're desiring to have a child. You need a miracle for, that, for God to open your womb. Can He do it? He did for Sarah. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need finances. Maybe you're praying for a husband or a wife. Maybe you're praying for a child. Maybe you're praying for the salvation of your loved one. And you say, well, I don't, I'm not really praying for anything that great today. Well, I ask you to pray for revival for our country. That's the miracle we all pray for. Maybe you have a secret addiction. Maybe you're trapped in sin of adultery or fornication or pornography or drug addiction or homosexuality. God can deliver you today. So how do you think... And I know you're standing. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know you're standing. (laughs) I'm standing too. I'll be standing longer than you. So don't... You say, well, I'm getting tired of standing. Have you ever heard me say that preaching? Okay. How do you think Sarah felt when... The Lord was speaking to Abraham and telling Abraham Sarah's going to have a baby. How do you, don't you think she felt hopeless? That that laugh was a laugh of, that's just not even possible. The Bible says she was afraid. You know, when you really face with something that you want, but you feel like you can't have because you can't do it yourself, you need God to do it, you, maybe you're afraid. Maybe she was still unconvinced that it was going to happen. Maybe... Maybe Sarah felt like a failure in her life. Maybe she felt like, you know what? I've sinned so much. I don't even deserve for God to answer this prayer for a child. Maybe she felt like a failure and maybe in her heart she was still just full of doubt and skepticism. But I say, expect a miracle. Let's pray. Father, please now work in our lives and give us that which only you can do, do that miracle, and may we not be fearful, skeptical, feeling like we're just a failure, or feeling hopeless that it can't happen to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I love this story. It's a beautiful story. And we see through it all that God understands the heart of Sarah. And he's confronting her in a very unique way, isn't he? He's confronting her when she's standing behind him in a tent. (laughs) And he's seeking to ignite her faith and truly do what only he can do. That's what we need from God, dear friends. We need what only He can do from Him. And Sarah teaches us that you don't have to be perfect for God to do that miracle. And Abraham, we've seen their flaws, haven't we? They're flawed. But aren't you? (laughs) I know I am. God blesses us even when we've blown it, as Sarah probably felt. 
Maybe Sarah felt like, you know, I'm just old now, and I've blown it. And the miracle won't happen. I say to you, don't lose hope. Expect a miracle. Don't laugh now. First of all, when God appears. When God appears to us, expect a miracle. That's what it says in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him, that's Abram, in the plains of Mamre. The plains of Mamre, God appears. And so I say to you, pay attention. Pay attention. Because He's going to show up. God's going to appear. He has appeared. Pay attention. The plains of Mamre. What were the plains of Mamre for Abraham? When you go back to chapter 13, verse 18, you know where the plains of Mamre were? What did Abraham build there? He built an altar. And what did Abraham do over and over and over again on the plains of Mamre? He sought God. He sought God and for the promises of God to be fulfilled. And so to this place where Abraham sat and sought God and even offered sacrifice in his altar and called upon the name of the Lord, now the Lord appears to him in human form. So can you imagine Abraham there on the plains of Mamre? What time of day was it? What time of day was it? What does it say? It was in the heat of the day. Now this guy is 99 years old. He was working through the morning with his cattle, with his servants. And he was probably saying, man, if I could just make it to lunchtime. And at lunchtime, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take me a big old nap. <laughs> you ever look forward to that nap in the middle of the day? You say, man, I'm tired. I, need... I think Abraham was just looking forward to the nap time. And maybe he was sitting there because it says he, sat, he was sitting down in the heat of the day. This was siesta time, man. And, and he, his eyes were beginning to droop. And, and all of a sudden, boom! Out of nowhere, three men appear. Three, not one, two, but three. And you know who these three men are? One of them is who? The Lord. Two of them are angels. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, look at the text. Look down in verse number 13, where in... He says, and she called the name of the Lord. No, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong uh, chapter uh, 18, verse 13. Same verse, yeah. And the Lord said unto Abraham. So that's Jehovah. And if you look over in verse 22, and it says, and this was at the end of the conversation that that Abraham was having with these three men. One of them was the Lord. And it says, and the men turned their faces from thence and went down towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So one of them was the Lord Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. You say, well, that can't be. What do you mean it can't be? Jesus came down for a longer appearance in the incarnation. He's just getting the world ready for His ultimate incarnation in these Old Testament appearances. 
And then if you look in chapter 19, verse 1, so the two other men left Abraham and the Lord. And then in chapter 19, verse 1, it says, and there came two what? Angels to Sodom. So those were the two other men. They were angels in human form. This is the only time this has happened in the Bible. Where the Lord appears with two other angels. Only time, right here. And the Lord appears to do mighty things. He's appearing because He wants to do something that Abraham and Sarah can't do. A miracle. That's why He appears. Because we need Him. By the way, I googled online and, and there's actually a, this tree in the plains of Mamre today and they have it, it stopped growing, but they, they say that this tree is old enough to have been there when Abraham had this experience with the Lord. It's actually one of the trees on the plains of Mamre. So this is real history that happened. These, pla- these places actually exist. But I want you to think about this Dear beloved, because it says, I'm saying here today, expect a miracle when? When the Lord appears. He appears to do something great that we can't do. And I'm here to say today that Jesus Christ has appeared. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. Can you read the verse with me? It says, but now once in the end of the world hath He appeared To put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. That's a miracle for Jesus Christ to take your sins in His body and die for you so that you could have eternal life. That's a miracle. The greatest miracle that ever could happen in your life is the miracle of salvation. Maybe you're here today saying, you know, I don't believe. And I'll never believe. Yes, you will. If you turn to Jesus Christ and call upon Him, He will do the miracle of faith in your heart. That's a miracle. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. For you to receive the miracle of salvation is a miracle. As we sang in that song, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. And beloved, salvation is a miracle because He creates in you. He does the work of creation, which is a miracle. You can't do it. Salvation is Him creating in you a new heart. The Lord appears. He appeared to put away sin. You say, well, that was, that was then though. He's not. I don't see Him today. But wait a minute. Go to your Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians. I want you to look at these two verses with me real fast. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Can you go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 14? What an amazing verse this is. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor. You know what that is? The smell. (laughs) The odor. You put on perfume, cologne, or something to, you know, help you smell good? Well, when Jesus comes in your life, the smell of Jesus is on you, if you will. 
And so that He kind of seeps out of you. He, he comes out in your conversation. He comes out in your countenance. He comes out in, 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 of you because He's living in you. It says the savor of His knowledge by us is manifest. Manifest is the same word He's appeared. In other words, Jesus Christ appears through you and through me because He's living in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That same word, appeared, is that word manifest. That the presence of Jesus Christ is apparent. And the savor and the knowledge of Him is through you in every place. He wants to do something great. And the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, I have the verse up here as well. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, For we which live are always delivered unto death. For Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made... What's the next word? And literally, the same word appeared. That the life of Jesus would appear in or through our mortal flesh. Now, how can the life of Jesus be apparent in us when we're crucified with Christ? When we're living the crucified life, death to self, That's what Paul's emphasizing in this verse. He says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. I'm here today to say that the Jesus we see in Genesis chapter 18 appearing to Abraham is similar to the Jesus we see in the Gospels where he, 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 he eats and he fellowships with Zacchaeus, with the disciples, eating there on the seashore with the disciples and, and, and eating with the publicans and Pharisees with Matthew after his conversion. Jesus loves to, to eat with publicans and sinners. He, he appears in us and through us. What does it say in the book of Revelation? You know the verse. He says... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's saying that to the church of Laodicea that was lukewarm and dead. Oh, we need the appearance and the power and the reviving presence of Jesus Christ in our midst, in our lives today. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. How many of you would agree with me that we hear the voice of Jesus through the Word of God? Say amen. amen. How many of you would agree with me? Let's open the door for Jesus Christ. This is His church. How many agree with me? Amen. Let's sup with Him. Let's eat with Him. The Lord appears in order to do great and mighty things. We have to pay attention. You say, well, it's nap time. Wake up! <laughs> Wake up! Because he, he, he just appears to Abraham. It seems out of nowhere. And the second thing I want to see is expect a miracle when God Himself abides with us. Expect a miracle when He abides with us. Now, verses 2 through 8, just going to summarize these verses. But a number of things happen. And basically, though, Abraham does remind me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the story of the two on the Emmaus Road. Remember? 
when they, they say, Lord, abide with us. And then Jesus opened up their heart to the Scripture. And what happened to their heart? What, what, ha- what did they feel in their heart? They said that felt that burning in their heart. Oh, our hearts were burning when He was talking to us. Hallelujah. So, when God abides with us, and we must never see God as an inconvenience to our plans. You know, many in America, God is just a big inconvenience. I don't have time for that. I'm not giving my money for that. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. Church? Are you kidding me? Well, God bless you. You're in church today. Amen? God bless you. You know, most Americans don't, don't say, I don't have time for this. There's too many other things to do on Sunday. Go to church every single Sunday? Are you kidding me? What are you, nuts? Amen. For Jesus, I'm a fanatic. The Lord was no inconvenience to Abraham, even though he came in the heat of the day. After a morning of work, when Abraham wanted perhaps to do something else, snooze away the rest of his day. So look at what we see here. Abraham what? Read the, the words in blue. What does he do? He runs to meet them. Then what does he do? He bows to them. And then he asks them to remain with him. And he prays to find grace in their sight. And he what? Confesses, I am your servant. And he invites them to rest. And then he gives them a lavish meal. And then at the end, he stood to serve his guests. Wow. I love what he says in verse 3. He says, My Lord, if now I have found grace in thy sight. You know who found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Noah. Genesis 6-9. I want to find that grace in your eyes that Noah himself found. For him, Noah was somebody who lived way before him. But he said... The same God who looked down into the heart of Noah and God had grace upon that man. I want Your grace, Lord. And so can we pray for that. Amen? Twice here in verse 3, he says, Pass not away. And there it is, like the two, on the, uh, the two friends of Emmaus who said, Pass us not. You know the song? Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, while on others Thou art calling, do not pass me by. And then she says, I pray Thee, pass not away from Thy servant. So he is something else here. This 99-year-old man. And I basically just summarize three things about Abraham in this passage of Scripture. That he served the Lord with excitement, with excellence, and with extravagance. I mean, he's excited. He, is, he springs into action. He's running over here. Sarah, get this going. And Sarah, little. And he runs to the herd. And he's running. This is a 99-year-old dude, man. He's running around in the heat of the day. I see so many, so, so many times. Oh, man, I'm tired. I'm tired. 
Oh, you need to see Jesus. <laughs> you need to know He's with you. You need to know He's there. And get excited. Serve the Lord with gladness. You'll spring into action for Jesus Christ when you keep a servant's heart. Twice here, I am thy servant. Verse 5, he says, I'll fetch a morsel of bread. Comfort ye your hearts after you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. He had a servant's heart. Keep a servant's heart and we'll serve with excitement. He springs into action like a furious, in a furious tornado of activity. It reminds me of Zacchaeus. Remember when the Lord met Zacchaeus? That's the picture there. And the Lord told Zacchaeus, make haste! <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> Quicken up your step! Amen. You know, I, I, I do believe this, that when it comes to Sunday, we should say, praise God. Amen? I know many of you do. Yeah, I want to go to church. I want to see brothers and sisters. I want to praise God. I want to see how so-and-so is doing. I want to pray with so-and-so. I want to, yes, hear the word. <coughs> Excitement. Excellence. Abraham was not inconvenienced with giving the very best ox that he had in his herd. He didn't delegate it to a servant either. He had many servants. He could have said, hey, yo, get, get, go, just get an ox out of, the, out of the herd. No. It says, Abraham himself went and he got an ox out of that herd. Verse 6, Abraham hastened under the tent to Sarah, make red quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, make cakes upon the hearth, and Abraham ran unto the herd. Isn't that something? <laughs> He's just running everywhere. I just I can't get over that. And he fetched a calf, tender and good, best one he had. Give with excellence. Give God the best you have. Give with extravagance. Now, you know what's amazing here is, Abraham downplayed his meal. He said, hey, just stay here and I'll give you a piece of bread. You know what Abraham gives these three servants? Extravagant, over-the-top meal. I mean, three men he fed a whole calf. A whole calf. But, that, but that's not even the thing that blew me away the most. If you look here where it says in chapter 18, and it says, he told Sarah, make ready... Three measures of fine meal. Knead it. Make cakes upon the heart. Three measures. Now we just read over that. But you know how much that is? You know the story. Remember the story with Elijah when he built a trench around the altar? And he put in 12 barrels of water. 12 barrels of water. It says that you could check me out. 1 Kings chapter 18. That there was, it was enough meal... Enough meal in, the, in those 12 barrels, two measures. So there was, this was a larger amount of meal than could have fit in that altar where there were 12 barrels. That, but then there's another example. Remember when Abigail made a feast for David's men? There were about 400 in David's militia army. And Abigail made a meal with five measures. Now, five measures to... Now, I want you to do the math in this. Five measures to feed 400. How many measures per those 400? 
one to 80. In other words, one measure could feed 80 men. One measure could feed 80 men. Here he has three measures that could feed 400 men for three men. It's extravagant. This amazing amount. And he says, hey, just can you stay for a little piece of bread? (laughs) Abraham downplays his work because of the greatness of the one he's serving. It's not about him. It's about the one he's serving. And there's no amount that he could give that would do more for, that would outgive God for him. So let's not be inconvenienced with God. So I've said really two things. You know, God wants to do a miracle. Expect a miracle when God abides with you. Is He abiding with you? Have you, do you serve Him with an excellent spirit, with an extravagant heart, with excitement? I mean, are you begging God, oh God, abide with me. Jesus says, if, if He abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. We're, we have an abiding relationship with Jesus. Amen? When we're abiding with Him, expect a miracle. When He appears to us, expect a miracle. I read an article this week about our young people today who are paying so little, such little attention to God and who are we're living in a society that is paying little attention to the Lord and is feeling very inconvenienced by you know, putting God in their life at all. And it was an article, actually it was in the New York Post, and it was written by a school teacher. And he basically said, you know, this generation, but it's all of us. This, and he talked about Gen Z. You know why it's the Z? It's the generation Zoom. Here we are on Zoom. So all of you, are the, you're in Gen Z, all those Zoomers back there. Anyway, but he said that young people know better the, the pop stars of the day. A Miley Cyrus, or a Taylor Swift, or a Beyonce, or a Justin Bieber. They know more about Miley Cyrus and Beyonce than Abraham or Moses or Elijah. And you know what? Teen depression today has raised from 63, uh, has raised to 63% in our day. 63% of teenagers are depressed today. How is Miley Cyrus working for you? How is Taylor Swift's music, what's she doing for you? Getting you depressed. Teen suicide has increased by 56%. Teenagers checking out. Meanwhile, marriage is down. You know that. The two-family, two-parent home is broken. But this, this statistic blew me away today. Only in 1984, 2% of Americans identified as atheists. 1984, 2% said, I'm an atheist. Today, you know what the percentage is of, of the Gen Z saying they're atheists? 22%. Wow. They're not recognizing the, the person of God in their life. When they hear Matthew, they don't think of the Gospel of Matthew. They think of Matthew Perry. Or when they hear Luke, they think of that guy who was on 90210, and oh, by the way, he's dead at the age of 52. Hmm. The Gen Z generation, on average, uses five electronic devices. They're connected to their devices more than they're connected to their family and even to their friends. 
They're connected to their devices. And if, you, if I lost your attention, good chance I lost your attention. It's a good chance half of them, you're not even probably listening, you're thinking about later on. You know what the attention span is today of young people? Eight seconds. <laughs> so I got you for another six. Let me go quick. <laughs> Woo! Number three, when God's, at God's appointed time, the miracle happens. Now look what happens in verses 9 through 14. So the, the meal is over. By the way, uh, in verse 8, it's quite amazing. Abraham stood by them under the tree while they ate. Now contrast that to when these angels go down to Sodom. Abraham is making sure that they're safe and protected. They have a peaceful meal while Sarah, they're in a tent. And when they go to Sodom, Lot has a, a house, but they're breaking down the house in a total uproar and panic. This is the man of God's house, a, a place of peace. What a contrast when the Lord is there and when you're serving God. And now the Lord begins to talk to Abraham and he asks him the first of three questions. You'll want to mark these three questions in the text. The first question is in verse 9. What's the question there of Acts 18.9? What does it say? Where's Sarah, your wife? Now, did the Lord know where Sarah was? Yeah. So Sarah's kind of behind him here. Where's Sarah, thy, thy wife? And he says, oh, she, she's in the tent. And he, so he says, certainly, I will return. And he said, at the time of life, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. At the appointed time. That's when the miracle happens. At the time of life. At the appointed moment. Now, here's the very interesting thing about this. Is that, at that moment, Sarah was in the tent, but what was she doing? What was Sarah doing? She's listening. She's like, what are they saying? What are they saying? I want to hear. So she's listening. And so Sarah overheard the Lord speaking to Abraham. And when she overheard the Lord speaking to Abraham, the Lord, guess what He did? He overheard her, not what she said, but what was in her heart. She didn't even verbalize it. The Lord knew what she said in her heart. Right? That's what it says. Sarah laughed within herself. See, she didn't laugh out loud, right? She laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And now here's the second question. Verse 13, what's the second question? Why did Sarah laugh? <laughs> so the Lord overheard the very thoughts of her heart. So here's what I want to say to you, beloved. When you read the Bible, and God is speaking to you, He's, he's watching your heart and how you respond to what He's saying. I like this pulpit. I get to move it. 
He's overhearing your heart when you read the Bible. Think of that. In other words, when you read the Bible, are you saying, yes, Lord, I need to obey. Yes, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your promise. I claim that promise. I'm going to make it my own. Or do you say, no, that's not true. (laughs) When you read the Bible, what goes on in your heart? Are you rejoicing? Are you responding with faith? Whatever your response is, I guarantee you, maybe you're laughing. (laughs) He sees you. He sees your heart. God hears our inner thoughts when we listen to His Word. And the miracle will happen at God's appointed time. And that might be the time of impossibility. Because what does Sarah say here? Now, she gives a few personal details. I'll try try not to get too private. But I remember a long time ago, my grandmother, my dear grandmother, had a Bible study with some of her friends out in Oak Beach on Long Island. They ha- my grandparents had a summer house out there. We'd go, we'd go uh, swimming, and we'd go out on the, on the boat, and we'd go clamming, and we had clam bakes. We, we just had a great time. But my grandmother had a, had a... There was an evangelical woman out there who had a Bible study with my Roman Catholic grandmother. And my, Roman, and my grandmother asked me to come and lead the Bible study one day, and we were like... In it, and she said... Does this passage actually say that Sarah says, I'm a little bit too old. I, I don't even really enjoy that kind of intimacy anymore. It, she, my grandmother asked me that question. And she just laughed about that. She thought that was so cute. That's about what it says. Abraham's like, I passed through that monthly moment of joy. I don't have that beautiful experience every month. Right, ladies? I'm sure you all look for it. Everybody's like, oh. But that's what she's saying. I don't have, I don't have it anymore. I, don't have, I'm, I pass menopause. I'm having hot flashes. And she said, and Abraham, <laughs> ever since he got circumcised, Lord, do you have it like that blue pill maybe? You know? I mean... Abraham, he's old. <laughs> now, you read into that a little bit, you know. He's he, he not doing so well. How are we going to do this? She doubted his ability. She didn't really enjoy the thought of, of the whole process. But God says, at the appointed time, the time when you don't think it's possible. I'm going to do it. That gives us all hope, doesn't it? Doesn't matter how old you are. I'm still looking for God to do the greatest things in my life. I, I, this passage was so exciting to me because I've been in the ministry as a pastor since 1984, but, that, but con, con, in comparison to Abraham, I am a super young man. <laughs> i got time for God to do some great works, the greatest works maybe that He's ever done. What do I know? What is God going to do in you, through us, through Heritage Baptist Church? We have no idea what He can do, what He will do. He will do miracles through our church. What miracle do you need God to do for you? I tell you, our nation needs a miracle. At this time of impossibility, we need a turning back to God. 
We need to get serious in faith with Jesus Christ that He's the King of kings and Lord of lords who shed His blood and died on the cross in love for the sins of the world and He's alive today and He can come down and He can save. He can revive a dead nation that has kicked God out of the schools in prayer, that has put made idol out of an abortion. That has confused whether we're even male or female any longer. That has rejected his definition of the family. I mean, we're getting it wrong everywhere, folks, in America. And the only way that this is all going to change is not through legislation. Ultimately, it's going to be by revival. It has to come from a heart. We need a miracle. It's going to be God's power, lastly, and ability through us. So expect a miracle when God appears. Pay attention. He's coming. He's come. He's here. When God abides with us at God's appointed time for us, and lastly, by God's ability through us. The third question that Abraham is asked of the Lord is in verse number 14. What's the question? Is anything too hard? So you get the three questions? You should underline them. Where's Sarah? Why'd she laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know the answer. What's the answer? A hard and fast? No. We know that. Nothing was too hard for the Lord. Is too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah nails this answer. In Jeremiah 32:17, where he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretch that arm, there is nothing too hard for thee. Nothing is too hard for God. So how do you answer this question in your heart? That's the question I have for you. How do you really answer this question in your heart? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What miracle do you want God to do? Is it too hard for God? No. You say, well, I don't want to hope for that because it might be too disappointing. I understand. I believe that's one reason why maybe Sarah laughed out loud or laughed in her heart. Maybe there was long disappointment in her soul knowing this just is not going to happen any longer. Some say when she laughed that she snorted. (laughs) That her laugh was like a snort at God. Never going to happen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, here's the beautiful thing. And we talked about, too, God and how He's revealed Himself to Abraham. He's the Most High God. That's the name of what? God is El Elyon. To, to Hagar, He came. He says, I'm the God who sees you. And so Hagar named that place El Roi, thou God seest me. And last week we looked at that beautiful name for God, that He is the one who makes us fruitful, even when it requires a miracle. And for God to do that which is outside the realm of the possibility, He is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Is there anything too hard for you? For with God nothing shall be impossible, the Scripture says. So now the Lord is speaking. Sarah has laughed. And then the Lord says, why did she laugh? And then God asks, is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, who's, who's listening? 
Sarah is still listening. And you know, that just reminds me, you know, that you might think that God is speaking to someone else. I mean, God, the Lord was speaking to Abraham. But through this conversation, who is the Lord really speaking to? Sarah. He wants to, he's really talking to Sarah, and he knows Sarah is listening. Because now at the end, it says, verse 15, it says, then Sarah denied. So what, where did she come from? What did Sarah just come out of? She's like, wait a minute, I hear what you're saying out here. I didn't laugh. <laughs> She's coming out to defend herself. So you see, I, I found that picture. Sarah came out of the tent. And she's like, what? I hear what you're, you're talking about me. I didn't laugh. But this is what the Lord is doing all along. What is the Lord doing? With His Word, He's drawing Sarah out of her tent and into the conversation. Do you know the only words in Scripture that Sarah is said to have spoken to God? It's right here when she says in Genesis chapter 18, I laugh not. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? But the Lord loves Sarah and He's drawing her out of her tent and into the conversation. Sarah speaks then directly to the Lord and denies out of fear, because fear can easily lead us. When we're afraid, we often tell lies. But God wants to shift Sarah away from her obsession over her own barrenness, over her own problem. We get obsessed with our own situation, our own singleness, our own job failures, our own financial problems, our own physical frailties, whatever it is, it's so easy for us. All of us do it, I believe, in some way or another, to one extent or another, we obsess with ourselves and our own problems. Is that true? Sometimes we all do. And what the Lord is trying to get Sarah to do is don't obsess with your own situation but get obsessed with my power. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Don't obsess with your hopelessness, but with God's unlimited power. And Sarah laughed and maybe blew it. And maybe there was bitterness wrapped like a snake around her heart. Maybe she felt she had no more energy or courage to hope any longer. But the Lord draws her out of her tent and she meets the Lord who has said there's nothing too hard with God. Expect a miracle from God. Let's stand together as we pray. I'd like to ask our musicians to come and I'm going to ask for our church in this special day this last Sunday of August. Thank you for being here. Many people just think summertime, it's my time. Thank God for each of you who are here. We're here because we need God and we need a miracle from the Lord, one thing or another.
So I'm going to ask our musicians to play our song. And if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. And let me ask you today, do you need a miracle? Sometimes your dreams seem ridiculously enormous. So unlikely, humanly speaking, that it could ever come to pass. Your faith is wavering. The years have passed. And you wonder, has time passed me by? And you laugh. You even maybe in your soul snort at God's promises. But I'm saying to you today, look to Him. There is nothing too hard for the Lord to do. And if you need a miracle today in your family, maybe the salvation of a loved one, maybe a financial problem, maybe a physical need, maybe a spouse, maybe you're praying for a child, I want you to just step out of your seat, please, and come and stand in the front here. As you hear the music play, just step out of your seat and come and let's stand. Now, and then I'm going to ask, you say, well, I don't really want to do that. I'm asking you by the grace of God today, our nation needs a miracle. We need to pray for our country to turn back to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't have anything else to pray about. But then I say, please, just step out of your seat. and Don't be ashamed or don't be embarrassed. And if you don't come, that's okay. But I'm asking you, by the grace of God, to just come and stand and pray for that miracle right now in your heart. If you want to get on your knees, help yourself. But the Lord has come to take away our sins. And He's appeared... His very presence is in our hearts as His people. He's abiding here in our midst. And this is His appointed moment. And His ability and power never wanes. Lord God, do Your miracle. Pray for that miracle right now. Is there anyone here who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure I'm saved. Today I need Jesus Christ to save me. I believe He died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I need Jesus to save me. Take me and snatch me from the fire of hell and bring me to heaven. There is a hell for those who are not saved, dear friend. It's not a joke. This is not a, hell is not a metaphor. It's not a fairy tale. It's a real place, as real as heaven is. Are you sure you're on your way to heaven? If you're not, just raise your hand. Is there anyone that I could pray for you who want you to know Jesus? So, Father, thank You for this day, Lord. Do Your work of miracles, God, in our midst. Thank You just as You understood Sarah, You understand our heart. You confront our doubts, and You want to ignite our faith. 
Thank you, Lord. Ignite our faith by the power of your Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen.